What up, guys? Welcome back to the Desk Bound Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, David London. It's episode 19. We're talking about ergonomics for the workplace. The best chair you can use, hands down, to reduce your back pain and to feel good all day long. Different ways you can integrate movement into your workday, as well as the phenomenal concept of active sitting. I have a really special guest today, Patrick Harrison. He is a legend when it comes to ergonomics. He's a former engineer and he turned his passion to help people live pain-free into designing ergonomic office spaces, something I'm really passionate about. So I'm super happy to bring you this episode. Now, before the episode starts, I have five questions for you. Do you sit eight to 10 hours a day at a desk job? Do you sometimes feel stiff and uncomfortable but want to get to a point where you can move pain-free? Do you want to be more active and regain strength so you can focus on improving your career and your fitness goals? Well, if you answered yes to any or all of those questions, send me a message on Instagram for the online deskbound therapy coaching. I want to help you move better, move pain-free, and tackle those career and fitness goals so you can feel good all day long. So send me a message on Instagram at Deskbound Therapy. You can also send me an email, David at DeskboundTherapy.com for more info on Deskbound Therapy online coaching. What up, guys? Welcome back to the Deskbound Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, David London, and this is episode 19, and I'm here with Patrick Harrison, the CEO of CoreChair. We're going to talk everything from posture to ergonomics to living pain-free. So why don't you just take a second, tell us a little bit about what inspired you to you know, start CoreChair and a little bit about your, your background. Sure. Thanks, David. Uh, thanks for having me on your program, and congratulations for its progress. Oh, yeah, um, we're happy to have you here. Yeah, so my background is uh, kinesiology from the University of Waterloo in Ontario. And um, my original career post-graduation was to uh, design one-off custom seating solution for people with severe fixed orthopedic deformities uh, that were non-ambulatory. So they were dependent on wheelchairs for mobility. So I learned a lot from that. And that evolved into designing standardized, essentially off-the-shelf solutions for people with mild to moderate uh, physical implications. And then uh, kind of mid-1990s, sold that company, uh, became an alpaca farmer, and got into a, a whole host of different life journeys. And then I started realizing that there was a lot of people that were sitting in office chairs for too long every day. And uh, this whole spectrum of the uh, sitting disease started to emerge. And I realized that there was a lot of people who were uh, intuitively taking an exercise ball to the office to introduce movement. And uh, the more I looked at that, I realized that an exercise ball is great for the gym and really good for the clinic, um, but not so good for people who are sitting at their desks all day long. So we set out to design a seating solution that would uh, that would address that. So it was a long journey, took about 10 years, uh, sorry, seven and a half years to develop the product. And uh, that involved a lot of different uh, kind of pilot studies with the University of Waterloo and uh, kind of gathering research data, spending a lot of time in office environments, looking at sitting habits, uh, truly starting to understand what the challenges were uh, with sitting disease, which is really not about sitting, it's more about sitting and not moving, and looking at the biomechanical and the kind of structural challenges uh, from assuming a poor posture for a prolonged period of time. So that's how the whole program got started in developing the Corechair product and, and the company. Yeah, and I really like how you talk about sitting and not moving, because a lot of times people will just sit and will and, and they won't move, but... And then, then they'll stand all day, but it's just, it's, it's not the same as sitting and staying active and moving. It, and that's where things are starting to change and people are starting to see that you, you have to stay moving. Or in the past, people didn't really know why it was so bad for you, but now it seems to be so, so common and it's easier to kind of find solutions. Yeah, and it's a good point. I think um, <clears throat> we're at a crossroads with the 
the world of what we refer to as ergonomics in the office space. Um, previously, a lot of energy was spent on trying to define what was the optimal sitting position. Um, and in doing so, they created devices that uh, had lots of adjustability for individual fit, um, but it would put them into what they considered to be the optimal sitting position, but as a result, there was no movement. And uh, what, what I did was I took the idea of the exercise ball and realized that rather than having a swaying motion that you get from an exercise ball to actually have the movement articulating right beneath your center of mass allows for a lot more mobilization of your hips, uh, your pelvis and your spine. And, uh, and then coupling with that uh, optimal sitting posture, which comes from a sculpted seat and a low back pelvic support, that you could actually encourage movement throughout the body. So um, yeah, I, I think this whole dynamic uh, spectrum of, uh, of in workplaces in particular um, is, is extremely valuable. Yeah, I remember the first time, I was actually right when I was starting Deskbound Therapy. I just was in an office space, I think in Toronto, and I, I just saw one of these chairs that looked cool. I didn't know like it was like a posture chair, and I sat down and it was like, I go to my buddy, I'm like, holy shit, this thing's amazing. I was like, where can I get one? And then I think he, he connected us, but it's just so cool, like, the hell, everything's like, just when I was starting and I and I experienced it, and I was like, wow, like, because during that time, I was looking into, you know, designing my own standing desk, I never did it, but like really trying to redefine office spaces. And then when I saw it, I was like, wow, there's already like lots going on, so, which was great. Well, it's a, it's an interesting point because uh, the standing desk and and or more specifically now the sit to stand desk market uh, is still growing at a rapid rate um, because people assume that if sitting is a problem, sitting disease, that standing must be the the best alternative. Uh, but the problem is that uh, your body can actually uh, perform better in a seated position over a longer period of time than in a standing position. Uh, there's a lot more uh, impact on your body with gravity uh, that's going to make standing a problem with uh, pooling of fluids in your lower extremities and the same kind of postural challenges as people end up leaning on their desk. And the reality is in, in the world of sit-to-stand desks that people are only using their standing feature uh, like 20% of the time. So 80% of the time they're sitting. So how do we incorporate movement into sitting and, and make it a holistic approach? And, and I'm a big fan of sit-to-stand desks, um, but I think that it has to be put in perspective that having both active sitting and a sit-to-stand option is, is kind of an ideal scenario. Yeah, and I really like how you don't really pick a side sitting or standing because you bring up a good point, how we can be more active while, while we're still sitting because it it's so true, like, I, I have my standing desk, but you're right. Like sometimes it's it's tiring on the body. Sometimes it, it just isn't comfortable to stand all day long. And then if you if you want to promote different ways to stay moving, it's a really good way. And even I noticed that you say that it's more beneficial to get a lot of tasks done when you're seated. And I find there's some tasks that cognitively perform better when I'm seated versus standing. And that's a lot of what I try to talk about with my audience is find what tasks you do best seated versus standing, and then use that as your kind of cue to, to switch from your sit to stand. Well, and, and those are really good points. And, I, you know, I think one thing that I really like about sit to stand desks uh, when properly designed is that for a lot of people who are, to use a kind word, vertically challenged or shorter stature, um, a lot of the standard desk heights are too high. So if they get a chair that fits them properly, the desk is too high, so they end up compromising their kind of ergonomic positioning as they're working on their keyboards or whatever their desktop uh, tasks are. So good sit-to-stand desks should actually be adjustable to go below the standard sitting height so that you can actually create a, a, a workspace that's uh, more appropriate for everybody. Yeah, it's true. And that's the, one of the things I noticed when I got my standing desk was I had my laptop, but I had to go so high. So it was eye level. And then so my hands could reach the keyboard when I was just slouching like I would have been sitting. So that's where I started, you know, stack things up, get an external monitor, keep the desk a lot lower so I can, you know, have my shoulders in a good position as well. Yeah. And I think, um, 
you know, it's uh, it's compromises that we make all the time. Um, I think I just finished a meeting uh, with somebody at the University of Waterloo where we were talking about, uh, you know, what's the right formula for sitting versus standing. And everybody is so different. It's difficult to come up with the the best uh, kind of ratio of sit to stand. Um, but the reality is that, um, you know, we need to keep changing it. If you're using something that prompts you to get up every 15 minutes, it's just not going to happen. Um, some programs on computers will give you that little prompt, say, stand up. But if you're in the middle of something that's really intense, as you say, you need all your cognitive uh, skill set there, uh, you're going to push that button to uh, to delay it. And the next thing you know, you've, you've ended up missing that cue in the first place. Right. And sometimes it can be even be listening to your body for those subtle cues, even if you are performing very well, just really getting in tune, seeing how you feel, thinking about when the last time you did move is, or maybe think about what you're going to do later in the day. Or another thing I like to do is just maybe depending on the person, if you start the day standing, you might be more inclined to stand more throughout the day versus seating. Again, it depends person to person, but it'd be interesting to see what you think about maybe starting the day one way can increase that 20% throughout the day? Well, yeah, and I think uh, a lot of it too is when people um, move to the standing solution, uh, they don't realize that there's still going to be a training effect. Um, and the same thing would be found with uh, using a product like our core chair. It doesn't have a, tr a tall back like traditional office chairs are. Um, so people that uh, are sitting in, in the core chair, what they'll find is that they're sitting in a, a more uh, kind of extended upright position. But if they've been sitting in a traditional chair where their back gets lazy, resting against a back support, all those thoracic or upper back uh, muscles tend to become a little bit dormant and reliant on that support. So now when you put them in a position where they're opening up, they're extending, they're using their postural muscles differently, um, it's almost like going to the gym. So it takes a little bit of time to adapt to that. And the same thing when you're going to sit to stand uh, protocol is you're going to find when you're standing up, you can't do it uh, from a life of sitting to a life of standing without having some kind of um, uh, training intervention somewhere in there. So you gradually build up to, to more tolerance. Yeah, it's so true. Especially people just want to go like all in on, on one or the other, or if it's any other kind of ergonomic solution, people just like, I feel like a lot, of, a lot of the hype right now is just because it's so popular to sit to stand, whereas there's not enough education, like you're saying, about training, the training effect, because can, you can, you know, do a lot of harm on your body if, you know, you go from sitting eight hours a day right into standing eight hours a day. Yeah, it's true. And, uh, you know, some of the studies that we've had done on the core chair, um, they look at just the, the whole idea of having movement and uh, probably the telling things are a study that we had done at uh, the Mayo Clinic that looked at what the uh, metabolic demand was to have an active sitting chair versus a traditional chair that you actually consume about 20% more calories, which in reality is not a lot because when you're sitting and not moving, you're not burning much at all. But to have even subtle movement uh, that you'd find in the core chair, you're going to burn about 20% more calories. Uh, when you introduce some activities that might be designed similar to what you might do on an exercise ball, you can actually burn calories 150% more than uh, static sitting, uh, which is comparable to walking at about uh, two miles per hour or, or three kilometers an hour, something like that. So, um, yeah, there's, there's certainly uh, uh, a need to be aware of the fact that when we're doing different things with our body that... Uh, there's some benefits, uh, definitely, of, of keeping moving going, but changing your position is, is important. So what was like the research and development process like designing this? You mentioned it took around seven years. I imagine there was a lot of like a lot of iterations, a lot of research to make it work and testing, etc. Yeah, when you think about a traditional chair, a lot of its movement is kind of fore and aft. Um, assuming a reclined position seems to be... Uh, what a lot of people like to do when they get fatigued. Um, there's some misconceptions about why you're getting fatigued. Some people will will assume that when they're sitting in a court chair that doesn't have a lot of support that you're going to get fatigued more. But that fatigue that you get in the middle of the afternoon is almost more a result of the, of the lack of blood flow 
than it is because you're actually using your body. So when you're moving even subtly, you're getting better blood flow. Um, a lot of the design process was coming up with a mechanical solution because our product moves um, kind of infinitely up to 14 degrees in all directions, uh, having a mechanism that that achieves that and is durable and has a flow that's like soft tissue in your body is really challenging. So that took a long time. And as I mentioned, um, uh, my background uh, is science. And so as a result, I wanted to make sure that scientifically we were doing it right. So we, we did a couple of pilot studies with the University of Waterloo and then went on to a full kinematic study. Um, and then kind of around launch and post-launch, uh, we did studies at uh, Guelph University, Memorial University, worked with the ergonomic folks at Cornell University. So, um, you know, we really wanted to make sure that what we were doing does work um, so that people don't feel like it's a fad of having an active sitting chair. It's, it's, it's a reality. It does work. And so we've got the validation from all of that to, to fortify that. Yeah, and I think it's really great because a lot of people see like sitting and standing desks and all these new trends as business opportunities and they just kind of make a product and try to sell it. But I think it's great that you've actually like you're so passionate about it that you you've gone out the way to to make sure that people aren't skeptical and make sure you can truly give people those results. Like you you really do care about, you know, helping people live pain free by going through this whole process. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Take a second, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review and a comment. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know what you want to see next. Let me know who you want me to interview. We really appreciate your feedback. It's going to help us grow the Deskbound Therapy podcast and promote the Deskbound Therapy lifestyle. Yeah, and you know the the interesting thing is that our society right now we're inundated with new technological innovations almost daily, and uh, you know we look at our favorite uh, communication device, the the iPhone, that is changing. It seems like every other month there's a new new iteration of that product, and we're very accepting of that. And we're always looking for the newest things, but sometimes uh, as humans we tend to be more resistant to change. So. Uh, became quite aware early on that uh, coming up with what what I refer to as a disruptive innovation, uh, that you really need to make sure that you've done your homework first um, and you've got something that that really does work and you can back that up with some, not just some anecdotal feedback from people who have tried it and love it and things like that, but actual scientific data that shows what it does and how it does it. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty cool. Like I, I'd say it's one of the. There's a lot of like people doing similar things with chairs. Like it used to be like have the big back support and have the obus form and have these special mouses. Whereas it's cool now how you're kind of integrating it and you're not just selling the chair, but you're promoting the whole lifestyle around it. Yeah, and, and a, a lot of uh, people that have uh, the jobs that they get hired to do, um, it's it's kind of all about the job. But then when they show up on day one, they've got a desk and they've got a chair, and uh, they're expected to, to accommodate to that. And I think the reality is that um, uh, we really do need to be respectful of individuals, what their what their physical needs are. Uh, what's going to make them perform better and for for an employer or a company uh, with employees they they need to be more aware of uh, what it takes to make their um, to attract good employees and to retain good employees and to optimize their productivity uh, throughout their employment um, and a lot of that does come down to what we refer to as ergonomics but kind of being aware of more specifically the individual needs and having stuff that uh, that addresses all of those issues. Yeah, it's true because there's really no one size fits all for anything, whether it be fitness or or for the for the chairs. If you people have more individualized approach, and if it weren't, you didn't just show up and have a chair. I think things would be a lot different. And I think that's sort of the next ten years. Is I feel there's going to be. Or we, there's more steps we need to take, but I figure we need to have some sort of societal change where, you know, active sitting is the new norm and 
combined with sit to stand and just more overall awareness. But I think it's definitely definitely going to come very soon. No, and, and uh, you know, I, I think you've hit it bang on. The traditional office chair industry, um, while there's been some serious advancements in aesthetics and even mechanisms for function, um, when you look at the spectrum of, of traditional office chairs, they all basically do the same thing. Uh, some of them have definitely have some nice features that differentiate them from their competition. Um, and the same thing happens in the act of sitting. A lot of people think, okay, well, the idea is you need to keep moving. But if you've got somebody sitting actively, but you don't provide optimal postural positioning, uh, then you've only addressed one of, of the user's needs. So um, it, it's really important to look at the, the full needs of that individual. Yeah, you bring up a great point because you're saying people are moving and then when you can combine that with active sitting, you actually are moving. It, it just, it's just so fascinating because you can, you can kind of keep your brain going and prevent that brain fog and prevent getting tired by, you know, subtly moving here and there, you know, like sometimes I just play around in my core chair, just spin around side to side, kind of do a little core workout. And that way, if I don't have time to get up or I'm really focused, you know, I can take those 30 seconds instead of just like sitting there leaning back and, because I find, I find a lot of people, too, they aren't productive at work because with typical sitting, you're just reclining back. And we, you know, kind of adopt this as a, a resting position where you're not in the right mindset to be productive at work. Yeah, and that's a good point. The fog out, it's, it's, uh, it's something that if you talk to a lot of different people in an office environment, by middle afternoon, everybody's heading to the coffee pot. And what they really need to do is just go for that walk and bypass the coffee pot. Just get the blood flow moving. Um, and, uh, and, and it's really important. Um, I think that the, the idea of keeping moving, um, even low key consistently throughout the day is probably more valuable than going for a, a rigorous, uh, you know, 20, 30 minute walk. And not that I would de deter anybody from doing that because it certainly adds value, but to keep your body stimulated constantly throughout the day, uh, at a low intensity, uh, probably has at least as much value. It's actually funny you bring that up because my post on social media yesterday was how you don't need to go to the gym for 60 minutes. Instead, you can, you know, do 10, 15 minute movement blocks throughout the day and get a much similar effect or be active the entire day. So it's a lot of it, I feel, is the mindset and the we have around like w the way we view the workplace and the way we and why people don't move and why some people do move. I think it's just the mindset and the cultural shift is, is the next kind of steps that we have to kind of educate people on. Yeah. And training, um, not a great word to use because it uh, infers a bunch of different uh, kind of behavioral programming, but um, to get people to uh, kind of integrate these new habits into their life, it's, it's much better if you can make it a passive solution. So that's kind of what we were trying to do by having a product that would have subtle movement consistently. So you didn't have to actually think about adjusting your chair and or getting up and walking around again. Well, I encourage that they do that, but um, there's less of a training requirement there, but most people in this world of ergonomics uh, suggest that uh, the biggest challenge is people really understanding what they need to do uh, and what they need to do is to change their habits. Uh, so reclining back in your chair uh, puts you in a compromised sitting position for sure, uh, doesn't really address the foggy brain, um, basically gives you a little bit of a rest that you might perceive as being valuable, but it's questionable. I like how you bring up the habits because it's so true. It's just like when people come to me and they want to, you know, get more mobile and improve their posture, the first thing I do is I, you know, I figure out, I, I, I see what their workstation is like. I see what their habits are like. Whereas a lot of people just think that they can, you know, just do one exercise and slouch all day, then stand up and have, you know, good posture and be able to move from, you know, different spinal positions and different body positions. Whereas I think it's, it's the way we view it, right? It's, what can I do to stay moving through these different positions all day long? Because what happens is when, you know, 
when you're just sitting, you can, you know, get these muscles contracting all day long and they can get very short. And then you're having trouble, you know, getting out of that kind of seated position. Whereas if you stay moving, it's going to be easier for the body to move, you know, long-term. You don't feel like a brick, you know? Right. <clears throat> yeah, and I think, um, you know, there, there are some, definitely some things that need to be considered for both sitting and standing for long periods of time. And uh, for certain when you're sitting, uh, especially if you're not supported optimally, um, there are some things that, that need to be considered. And that is the shortening of your uh, hip flexors. Um, for sure over a long period of time, if you're doing a lot of sitting, which isn't necessarily just at your desk, it's uh, breakfast table, uh, transportation to work, sitting all day back from work and then lounging in front of the couch, you're sitting. And so there's a lot that does go on with your body. Uh, something that's referred to as soft tissue creep where around a joint, you're going to get uh, where it's flexed, you're going to get shortening of the soft tissues where it's extended, you're going to get lengthening. So you get a, an imbalance of the joints in question. Um, so for sure, by keeping joint uh, keeping joint range of motion optimized, you can get to your full range. And I think you've uh, spoken to this uh, quite a bit before. The whole idea of taking uh, even just a little stretch break uh, and, and kind of focusing, especially on your hip flexors, where they're becoming shortened at the front, when you've got that and they're tight, it definitely compromises the integrity of your low back in particular. So to keep your hip flexors stretched out uh, as an early morning routine when you get up, but as much as possible throughout the day, sitting with an open hip angle uh, where your knees are lower than your hips is extremely valuable so that you're reducing the amount of uh, hip flexion. And certainly by having movement consistently throughout that, you're getting better uh, stimulation of, of your nerve system as well as uh, your circulatory system. So you're keeping some more dynamic uh, activity going on in those soft tissues to prevent that kind of uh, contracture like uh, long-term position. Yeah, actually my first personal training client I ever worked with, he was a lawyer and his hamstrings were so tight. I swear he had a contraction. I didn't, I didn't even learn about contractures until three months ago when I was in physio school, but it's crazy how like I kept stretching him and stretching him, but nothing worked because, you know, we weren't looking at his habits and what he was doing throughout the day, but it's cool to see how it all kind of comes together because the body does, you know, the body feels safe. So it kind of gets locked up there. And then when you try to go to the gym and, you know, deadlift, for example, with a, with your tissues already in a compromised position, it doesn't really allow you to move to your potential. Yeah, and I you hit it. You hit a really key point. It's something that I've always been aware of uh, in the design process and dealing with individuals um, after we've had this product. As I mentioned, when I started off, I was doing clinical uh, seating design for people dependent on wheelchairs for mobility, and that's a population where they, you know, they have a compromised uh, uh, neurology, and they uh, have muscle wasting. They've got uh, kind of inconsistent uh, muscle tightness um, or they have no no muscle activity at all. So uh, I, I think I learned a, a ton from working with that population. So then when it came to looking at the desk bound uh, desk jockeys, um, as most of us are, um, the solution is pretty obvious, but it's looking at it from a real extreme. Um, there's a lot of people who are in wheelchairs who would love to be able to get up and go for a 15 minute walk. Yeah. And you're right. You know, we don't have to view sitting as such a, you know, bad thing. Like you, like if you take the time to actually build strength and prepare your body for the positions you're going to place demand on it, you know, I actually sit quite a bit, even, even though like I promote, you know, stretching your desk and all that, those are things I do, but you know, I do sit and I, I've I've learned what my body needs in order to mitigate that stress where I can walk away and, you know, it includes using the core chair and, and still feeling good. But the biggest thing, I don't know if, if you, how much you do of, of morning routines, but I try to do, you know, if I know my day, I have a lot of sitting early on in the day. I, I try to spend, you know, 10, 15 minutes in the morning, just working on my, as you said, my hip flexors, my glutes, working on some thoracic extension. That way I feel like I've primed my body to sit. Whereas if I just kind of, 
you know, you're just stiff on your morning. And if you go right from waking to seated, it's, I find you don't feel as good and you don't get as much done. I totally agree. I, I think um, you almost have to view uh, sitting all day long, uh, similar to if you're going to go skiing for the day. Um, you'd certainly feel much more lively and um, your body's more responsive if you've actually kind of tuned in with your your kind of musculoskeletal system by uh, kind of waking it up and getting it through its range of motions, getting everything tuned up. Uh, it makes your, your day so much easier to, uh, to cope with uh, not doing that kind of thing. Yeah, it's so true. Just like if we could get people to see the value in moving more and then people will stop being so hard on themselves like oh i sat all day or and and oh i have bad posture and oh i have pain but if we can just get people to you know to move more and to understand that you know you can sit and you can still feel good then i think that's when things will start to pick up and really people will start to you know it'll be the the norm right because my goal when i started deskbound therapy was eventually people would you know go to their coworkers, etc and be like hey, let's take a DBT stretch break. You've, we've been sitting for a while and, you know, combining active sitting and all these things really contribute to the societal change that I'm so passionate about. No, I, I think you uh, have headed down the right path and uh, your journey that you're embarking on right now just kind of adds even more to that. So I congratulate you for that. Um, yeah, I, I think um, too often uh, we take for granted uh, the gift that we have, which is this incredible machine that we call our body. Uh, it's, it's so versatile. It's so, um, so giving in terms of, uh, you know, what we do, what we do to it, uh, how we abuse it. And, and, uh, and yet a lot of people don't really take the time to understand truly what's going on unless they're going for some therapy because they've got a problem. Uh, so prevention, I think, is huge. Uh, the one thing that we've found with uh, the core chair is that our, our greatest success is for people who have pre-existing back problems, in particular lumbar spine, but a lot of people who end up assuming a position where they're semi-reclined and they're reaching out to their workstation, they've got overloading of their upper back and shoulder muscles, and then if their head sits out in front of their chest cavity, then their posterior neck muscles are constantly uh, in contraction. So um, by assuming a position with your knees lower than your hips, good pelvic support, you get that more natural extension. Um, sitting in an engaged position where you're balanced and supported, um, my belief is that it's much more uh, easy on your body than if you're sitting in a reclined position and reaching to your work. So um, I, I think people taking the initiative to understand more about their body, listen to their body, uh, see what feels good and what doesn't feel good, play around with different things. I think that's, that's really important. Yeah. I think the play is big because a lot of people, you know, we live in such a sagittal plane. People just, you know, we're just all walking, eating, driving everything. And then you see people at the gym, bench press row, you know, a lot of these things, yeah. we just live in the sagittal plane of people can, you know, get moving more, whether it's, you know, side to side rocks in your chair or doing some rotational work at the gym. I think that combination of getting people moving and not just the sagittal plane and all the other, the frontal and the transverse especially, can kind of help restore some balance to the body and to the tissues and kind of wake up those, the spine, you know, working some thoracic rotation can really contribute to the way we feel while we're sitting and while we're working. Yeah, and, and uh, again, in, in the design of, of the product, what we were trying to do was to focus on supporting the pelvis because that's the most important part when you're sitting, obviously. It's like you're having a good pair of shoes when you're standing all the time, um, but supporting just the pelvis. Um, so creating more of a, a vertical upright pelvis that would encourage more extension of your lumbar spine and more balance of your upper spine. Um, but then to allow that mobility of your upper back, that's your, your thoracic spine is designed to flex and extend and rotate. And when you have the uh, interference of a, of a back support up your back, uh, it definitely limits the, um, 
uh, lateral rotation, um, and it also limits extension. So to have something that kind of encourages that means you need to start down at the foundation and make sure that that's really solidified. So a lot of times people will look at our product and say, yeah, you know, like it looks, you know, different and interesting, but it doesn't have a back. But a lot of times uh, on traditional chairs, there's too much back and we end up supporting people too much. So they end up uh, having all kinds of other problems as a result. Yeah, I kind of see it as a crutch, like whether it's using too much back support or even using that obus form thing or putting that strap on your back to buzz you to get up or Mm. if it's something like, you know, a lot of those shoulder straps pull your shoulders back. These are all crutches. And I think people, we just buy in so easily to, you know, quick fix, um, go no more back pain, use the obus form or let me pull your shoulders back, no more neck pain instead of, you know, trying to find a long-term solution. Like we, people love those quick fixes, but if they can, you know, and that's where having a good chair comes in is it, it's not going to be a quick fix. It's going to take, like you said, some training, but let me tell you the first time I sat in it, I thought it felt really good. And then you adjusted the back support and I was like, Oh wow. Like my back is like, it's, it's fully customizable. So you can really set the, on your lumbar kind of like when you're in a luxury car and it has that button for the lumbar support, mm-hmm. kind of <clears> similar <throat> idea. And it kind of changes sit to stand ergonomics because typically in a reclining chair to stand up, you would have to, you know, entirely tilt your pelvis. Whereas because your hips are kind of locked in there, you can just kind of stand up with a bit more extension in your back. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that uh, you seem like you adapted to the core chair quite quickly. <laughs> yeah. It took a while because I still was, I was full standing when I got it, but it helped me, you know, sit more, which is something that's benefited me is, you know, being able to sit more because I find like for me what I'll do is I'll pick a high bar stool where I can kind of sit on the edge with my mm-hmm. back straight instead of fully sitting on the chair or I'll use the courtier that way I can kind of like you know what I mean where I have the, the bar stools pretty high and I'm kind of half bending the knees like a 30 degree bend so that way I'm kind of half sitting with a little bit of load off and then when I do need to sit it's good to find the options that works for you that's kind of what we're getting at here yeah, and, and again, getting back to the what's what solution is the best for everybody, and there isn't one. Um, with the core chair, uh, we've ended up um, uh, recently designed a perching stool, so uh, a stool that doesn't provide as much support as the core chair does, um, but it provides good pelvic uh, positioning. And uh, when somebody's in the lower position, it's a, it's quite comfortable and quite supportive. Uh, but when you go into the standing position, as you can't tolerate it for too long, uh, this allows you just to kind of perch your butt on the edge of it like you do on your bar stool. So you can actually kind of take a little bit of load off and uh, and and rest your your bottom on on the edge of the of the stool. And it moves, it pivots at the floor, it moves up to five degrees in all directions. So you've got lots of still movement while you're while you're perched on it. You've already thought of it all. I'm actually seeing this on your website right now. It looks exactly kind of what I'm kind of been doing with a bar stool, but that's pretty cool because you kind of get the best of both worlds. And if you can combine them, you can stay moving all day long, which is great. So this is coming out in January. Yes, um, we've uh, we've we've spent quite a bit of uh, time developing the sculpted shape of the seat. Um, and again, it's so difficult to make something that works perfectly for everybody. Um, but the feedback that we've got through the process has been very encouraging. Um, and the other thing that we've been working on, although it's, um, going to be limited in scope, but we've been working on our own sit to stand desk, uh, again, with the main objective to be getting it lower for shorter people, mm-hmm. um, but something that uses hydraulics as opposed to a cranking system or an electric motor. Uh, so, uh, it's very simple and easy to use, but it, it has that versatility. You don't have to worry about motors breaking down and that type of thing. So we're kind of moving towards an active office solution as opposed to a standalone product, um, so that we can kind of help people address all of their office needs. Yeah. And I think that's great. Cause it's more holistic. You're focused on everything because you could give someone the core chair, but if they have the wrong desk, well, it's not going to be as beneficial as if you have, you know. And entire, it's like, it's like having an entire team working for, you know, having all the steps in place. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, um, you know, they they want to find the best solution, but it's difficult to find 
uh, one product that's going to address all of their needs. So, you know, the one thing that I always encourage people when they're using the core chair is that um, because I encourage that they sit uh, with a more open hip angle for all the reasons we talked about earlier, um, as a result, they end up sitting taller. And um, so my challenge right now is I'm using a laptop as we talk. Uh, so already my visual field is on a downward angle, which means my, my head is facing down. Whereas we know, ideally, we want to have our kind of eyes coming straight across the top of the, the monitor, essentially. So when you're sitting in a core chair because you're sitting taller, you need to keep in mind that it's best if you can raise your uh, monitor up higher so that you're not bending your head lower. So um, those are all little things that uh, most people aren't aware of. And to get somebody to come in and assess that and recommend it, it's not that easy. So the service that you're providing by uh, exposing people to more of this uh, thought process, I think is hugely valuable. Yeah, it's actually quite interesting because you mentioned, because we know it's worse to look up to a monitor because then you're going to be, you know, cranking those facets into extension in your cervical spine. Whereas looking down, you know, isn't as bad, but the problem is people, you know, they'll slide down in their chair and lean back to compensate. And then they'll have their head extremely far forward into that forward head position, right? So there's, it's just so easy for us to compensate. But if you know, if, like you said, if you can find the right way to make it work, it re removes that compensation and makes it a lot easier. Cause we do know like the resting position for the neck is in slight flexion, but it's not, you know, 40 degrees in flexion. <laughs> Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, chat right now about the the text neck, which I think is kind of the new uh, uh, outcome of, of our new technology and our handheld devices. Um, and it's a bit of an exaggeration of what you and I are talking about right now, but but certainly it's it's indicative of the challenges that people can have if they're assuming um, inappropriate alignment of their spine, uh, and especially when it's static. Uh, so to, to keep that in mind, you know, there's often little hints that we tell people when they're using their, their cell phone that they actually prop their elbow on an arm in front of them so they can hold their screen up more in front of them instead of bending their head down. Um, they probably see the car that's coming at them a little easier <laughs> through their peripheral vision. It's crazy how many people you see on the subway or the bus or at Starbucks just looking down at their lap. I'm like, I've never seen so many people smile at their at their legs it's just it's so it's, yeah <laughs> i'm just like i'm like I, it's just so normal but at the same time just like i just cringe every time i know it's, it's hard for me to see it sometimes it's like oh no because i've been there too like i used to before i started dbt i was working as a i used to do websites and i had a neck injury just you know i was programming i pinched a nerve and it was just ever since then i've been so cautious of, of positioning and stuff like that yeah, and unfortunately, you you had to go through some drama mm -hmm. to kind of tune into your body, and and it would be so beneficial if people uh, can think of it proactively and uh, try to avert that happening in the first place. Because it doesn't take much when you've got imbalance, uh, especially in your spine. Um, then you engage in some kind of an activity, um, whether it's playing a sport or going for a run or whatever, and all of a sudden. Uh, because you've got that imbalance, you're much more prone to injury. So uh, certainly to, to keep our body balanced and, and fit is, is a huge value. And I really like how before you mentioned prehab, because it's so important because people tend to, you know, want to find a solutions almost when it's too late. They'll wait till they're, in, you know, in pain to see a car or a physio or, or a sports doctor. And people some and it just it depends it's people's minds some people just don't value their health some people do but it just it's so important to we continue pushing that that prehab that education so people can make more empowered decisions about their health yeah and and just introducing uh, some steady stream of movement throughout your day is is uh, much easier on your body uh than popping advils or uh um, CBDs or whatever it might be, it's uh, staying healthy is is respectful of this incredible machine that we have, and uh, it doesn't necessarily take a lot. So, uh, you know, going to the gym on a regular basis, 
has a huge value, but taking care of yourself continuously throughout the day uh, can have equal and greater effects. So uh, there's a lot of people who are smarter than I am that have been saying that for many years. Uh, we're on a planet that we're fighting gravity all the time, and it has some tremendous effect on our bodies. So to be able to uh, make sure that our body is better capable of addressing that and um, and in making it through this endurance sport that we do every day from wake up to sleep, um, it's it's important. Back in the day when we were moving as a culture, as a society, um, we didn't have the same kind of problems that we have right now. Right now we're, we're more sedentary. We're not moving enough, generally speaking. So um, just introducing a little bit of movement consistently throughout the day can have a huge value. Yeah, and it's really it's really forward thinking, and it's it's pretty cool also how long you've been in the industry and you've seen such a change over the the ten or some odd years you've been working in ergonomics. But one thing that I, I see is that a lot of people who do work desk jobs and professionals and they sit a lot is a lot of times people will sit there even when they have no work right because we're stuck in this whole nine to five mindset and you know a lot of people just sit even if they have no work and it's and if people if we could even get society to be more flexible with the hours people work you know people can work at home or you can do here two hours there instead of you know making people just not move and wait till five o'clock to move but if we can you know find a, a better balance for work life that'd be that'd be a big step in the future yeah, I think a lot of times, I mean, I encourage, and again, a, a lot of other uh, people encourage this as well, is that you, you start adapting or introducing uh, extra habits into your day, like um, maybe walking a little bit further, whether it's with your dog or your partner or yourself, and just getting out and moving. But when you get to the office, park further away from the door that you go in so that you've got that opportunity to walk a little more take the stairs if you can. If you're on the 54th floor, that's a lot of stairs to climb, but you could certainly take the elevator to the 48th floor and walk the rest of the way up. Um, drink a lot of water throughout your day, which is inherently good for your body, um, but also it's going to encourage you to have to go and void that water uh, more regularly throughout the day. And that just that little bit of extra movement adds a huge value. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a little trick to get moving. Drink your water before your coffee in the morning, guys, all right? Don't wake up and go right to the coffee. Make sure you have water before. Trust me on this one. <laughs> Just like David and I. <laughs> so, aside from active sitting, what are some other factors desk workers should be concerned about with their, you know, their, their general work environment and, and their posture? Well, I think you, you actually hit the nail on the head uh, earlier on when you talked about what do you do in the morning? What's your routine when you get up? Right. So getting your body ready for um, that marathon endurance uh, throughout the day of, of being stuck in your task that you're working on, that's huge. Um, being aware of your posture, I think, is huge. Um, the one thing that uh, I find with a lot of people who sit a lot, uh, even standers, uh, because a lot of people who stand a lot, they end up leaning on their desks. They assume uh, poor postures. They have uh, obviously a little bit more impact on the circulatory system. Uh, so for standers, I would encourage uh, if you're standing a lot that you're using something like a wobble board uh, so that you're creating some movement um, uh, as you're standing there. Uh, you want to maybe assume a, a standing posture where you've got one foot uh, raised up onto some form of platform so that you're not either hyperextending or hyperflexing your, your pelvis um, so you want to keep some some movement and dynamics going on there. Uh, a lot of people uh, have a tendency to have the slouched forward posture, especially when they're sitting in chairs that allow them to kind of slump down into that C collapse position where they're reaching out. So not only are their upper back muscles becoming dormant, uh, they need some stimulation, their posture needs to be opened up. But a lot of times the spine starts to assume that kyphotic position or flexed position so to use uh, foam rollers um, and uh, different devices, either in the morning with your stretch routine or at the end of the day, if that's all you can do, but if you can do it through the day, it's even better to be able to kind of open up your spine, your shoulders back, get some good extension kind of between your scapulas at your spine, kind of your mid to upper thoracic level. Uh, keep that open up more. 
the more you're sitting and doing things with your chest cavity opened up, makes it way easier for breathing and for digestion and just your all of your bodily functions uh, of significance are happening all in that area. So if you're sitting in a collapsed position, you're really affecting that. So, um, yeah, I think there, there's that and just the general movement that we were talking about. Yeah, guys, it doesn't need to be, you know, extravagant and take forever. Like some days it'll take two to five to 10 minutes of movement. And I'll just pick on that given day. How does my body feel? Where am I sore from the gym? Or how do my hip flexors feel today? You know, I'll go into, say, for example, a hip flexor lunge. See how it feels. If it doesn't feel so tight, then I'll go, you know, stretch my pecs, for example. So you don't need to, you know, do everything. Pick one or two things. Do it consistently and build those habits. And eventually, you know, you can do three things in the morning and four. And then because those things will be a lot easier than and there'll be less foreign positions, but you don't need to, you know, do more than you can handle at once. Yeah. And I, I think just to add to that, David, is that a lot of times people are a little bit self-conscious about what other people think about um, what they might be doing that's different. Um, certainly standing up and moving around and, and windmilling and stretching and, and getting yourself limbered up um, might uh, kind of feel a little awkward um, but uh, before you know it, everybody's going to be doing it when they realize that you're sitting down with a smile on your face while they're sitting there uh, enduring the pain that they've had uh, pre and post your little workout. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the whole idea is it just inspire others and teach others in your workplace, you know, show them some DBT stretches, show them the, the core chair, really just try to make it more welcoming. Because I remember when I was a programmer, I asked for a standing desk and I was like, rejected and everyone laughed at me whereas now look look who's laughing now <laughs> yeah true point yeah so we're gonna finish off with a brand new segment on the dbt podcast we're gonna do rapid fire questions so i'm gonna ask you some um five or ten questions give me a quick answer right off the top of your head how's that sound i'm up for it all right so first one how do you find work-life balance without losing your sanity and feeling guilty no comment no comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it's a really good point, and uh, I think the reality is that you have to make sure that you make time for yourself. Absolutely. And if it's engaging in sporting activity or uh, throwing the ball for your dog, um, I, I think you need to make sure that you're not um, chained to your desk. Yeah, that could be a whole other episode. But yeah, great points there. So, who is your biggest inspiration, and tell me why? Um. Well, I'll avert the uh, political ones. <laughs> um, I would say uh, some of the earlier pioneers in the world of fitness, um, of, of which I, I wouldn't specifically name anybody in particular, but uh, their boldness to actually push the value of um, not just doing exercise, but doing exercise properly. Right. Very cool. Like things like... Um... Yeah, like Tony Horton and Arnold Schwarzenegger and those guys and along those lines. It's pretty cool. So what is um, one habit you're currently working on in your life? Uh, well, I think I'm always working on my fitness. Um, I know as, uh, as I collect years um, that uh, some things become more difficult. Um, our business is growing quite rapidly and uh, getting back to your original question, if you don't make time for yourself, then you pay the price later on. Um, so I know when I, I'm an avid tennis player and I know that if I'm not taking good care of my fitness, I pay for it after I play tennis because my brain still wants to do what I could do five years ago. But if my body's not keeping up with my brain, I'm going to have problems the next day. So exactly. I think general level of fitness for everybody is is huge investment that, that pays amazing dividends. hundred percent, hundred percent. That's that's big there. You, just, you use the fitness to do the other things you enjoy. Like fitness doesn't need to be your entire life. It can enhance your life. And that's really the right way to look at it. So if you had the world's attention for one minute, what would you say? Oh boy. Big um, one right here. We got a big question, guys. Stay tuned. It's I think my answer would be peace out. 
(laughs) (laughs) I think sometimes we get so strong on our individual beliefs of things that we don't listen to what other people are saying. And um, I think at the end of the day, we all have to respect one another's that that we're not going to believe exactly the same thing. And that's okay. And we should just uh, accept that and, um, and try to find the best in each other. Yeah, peace, love, and positivity. That's it right there. Right. So what would be your dream place to live? Boy, I'll tell you, I don't think that there's one particular place that would be uh, the place I'd want to be all the time. I love Canada. I love, uh, in particular, I love our summers. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of winter in the city, but uh, winter in the country is, is certainly nice. Um, I enjoy a lot of uh, sand and beach and uh, that type of thing, but I also enjoy uh, being in countries like Peru and high altitudes, mountain biking and uh, doing, um, you know, I, I think our, our planet has so much diversity and uh, it'd be great to be someplace different every day. Yeah, that, that's you. You just go where you feel fulfilled, where you're living your dreams. It's great. Exactly. So, who's your favorite singer? Oh boy, <laughs> these are hard questions. I didn't say they're going to be easy. Yeah, boy, I wish I'd had a cheat sheet ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> favorite well, singer, or favorite product. band, other one. I'm a product of the '70s, um, so there's a lot of uh, oldies and goldies out there, as we would refer to them now. Um, some of them are obvious. Um, I, I think probably the most prevalent uh, influence on my life has been the Beatles. Uh, oh, for I think, sure, classic. Yeah, I think they've influenced a lot of music in general, um, and certainly there's they cover the spectrum of moods and and such. So I, I think that that would be my answer. Yeah, I would say if, if I were to choose from the '70s, I'd probably say the Who, but the Beatles is a great choice. <laughs> So I get a check mark for that one? Oh, for sure. <laughs> All right, so we got two more questions here for you to finish off. So what is what is one food you would rate 10 out of 10? Uh, well, this is going to sound a little uh, odd for a guy to say who should normally be saying steaks and hamburgers and such. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm quite a fan of uh, a food called quinoa which is uh, got lots of, yeah, and it seems like you can kind of create all kinds of different flavors with it, and it goes with just about everything, easily digestible by most, and um, yeah, it's, I'd say that would be my, the food that I would pick. Yeah, quinoa salads are great if you're working at a desk, because it gives you nice, clean energy throughout the afternoon, really great, really great lunch idea. Yeah, agreed. So the last question the big question, what is your all-time favorite quote? Something that, you know, inspires you and really gets you fueled up. Um, you know, I, I guess uh, as a what I would refer to myself as a serial entrepreneur, I've, I've been involved in, in a lot of my own startups and, and participant in other startups. Um, I, I think one... Um, not a weakness, but a, a shortcoming with a lot of us is we sometimes overanalyze things. So I think the phrase that I would pick is just get at it. Just do it, right? Just do it. Yeah. I think uh, sometimes you you can overanalyze things and, and miss opportunities or, uh, you know, you just end up spending your life thinking about what might have happened instead of getting at it and seeing what does happen. Yeah, it goes a little bit into the mindset too, right? We tend to, you know, we don't step into the place where we want to be. So we don't know what it feels like. Or something I do is, you know, a lot of visualization is, you know, whether it be exercise, visualizing myself doing the exercise or visualizing myself, really what it feels like once I've achieved that goal, that way I can really take the right steps. Whereas instead of just saying I'm going to do something, really just trying to feel into it and tune with your body. Well, and David, I, I think that uh, you know you're a product of that. You've uh, you started into this world of uh, of health and wellness, and along your journey, you've made some decisions and you've chased them, 
and now you're chasing another one, which, uh, you know, I, I think you're going to make an excellent therapist because you've had a lot of practical experiences along that path, as opposed to just graduating with a 98% average, you've, you've had a 98% life experience. So I think, uh, I think that's a path that a lot of people should consider taking. Yeah, absolutely. It's never too late to achieve your goals. You just got to, you know, believe in yourself and just do it as Patrick said. So tell the listeners a little bit more about where they can connect with you, where they can grab a chair. And I know that there's still, there's a sale right now for the pre-orders for that new stool. If you guys want to check it out, great stuff coming for core chair. Yeah. So obviously we have our website at corechair.com. Um, depending on uh, who you are and where you are um, and, and what your preferred uh, purchasing solution is, uh, Cortair is available on Amazon, uh, Staples Online, Grand & Toy, Office Depot, um, Wayfair. Uh, it's, we're just in the process of actually setting it up with Canadian Tire. So um, there's a, a lot of places that you can get the product from. Uh, we've got some dealers in Western Canada, Fitter and Fitnef, uh, Chairlines in Vancouver. Um, so a, there's a lot of different uh, possibilities. So um, the, the, the big thing is uh, if you're ordering a chair, uh, we do sell core chair with a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Uh, the reason that we have launched the product with that is that uh, we know that when you go to try a new chair, you sit in it for five minutes and then you sit in the next one for five minutes and you make a decision based on a five-minute sit. Uh, then you get it back to your office and find out after a week that it basically did what your other chair did. So if you've got a pre-existing back problem, then a 60-day satisfaction guarantee allows you a good opportunity to try it. Uh, and it, it works for us because our returns on that policy are less than 2%. So um, best thing is to try it um, and, and, um, be your own judge. Yeah. And for those of you who do want to order line, I do believe we have the DBT coupon code. And if you are listening, just message me and we'll verify that with you. But thank you so much for coming on today. It was a really great episode. Really oh, thanks, to share David. this with the followers. Yeah, I, I hope that uh, there's at least a couple of pearls there that people can take.